Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Hey friends, this is Tim Keener, and I'm happy to be with you by video. Uh, and I wanted to talk with you a little bit about uh, my work in Montreal that I do, in addition to sharing a little bit from the Word of God and some spiritual thoughts with you. So first, I want to let you know that uh, I am an Evangelical Covenant pastor, but here in Montreal, I serve as Executive Director at Christian Direction. Now, Christian Direction is a unique urban mission that began in Quebec as an outreach at the 1967 World's Fair. So Expo 67, that was the, the birth of our organization. Today, Christian Direction partners with local congregations and social service agencies for the social and spiritual transformation of youth, their families, and their communities. So we work on this uh, team of 12 people in various neighborhoods around Montreal and, and various initiatives. We desire as a team to nurture the whole mission of God, spiritual and social. And we want to do this in our city and we want to inspire it in our province. So how do we as a team at Christian Direction nurture the whole mission of God? Well, we've identified three primary ways. The first way is that we connect leaders together. We connect uh, leaders from different church traditions, but we also connect leaders from different community organizations, connecting uh, those who have a shared commitment for the well-being of the community. The second thing we do after connecting leaders is we train urban practitioners. And this means that uh, we work and train, kind of shepherd those who actually will be practicing mission work in our city. And often this is young people, young adults. And the last thing that we do at Christian Direction is we, we develop initiatives, um, whether it be an initiative that we develop ourselves, uh, a project um, or a ministry, or whether it's something that someone brings to us and, and uh, they're looking for coaching or help bringing their idea to life. So what does this look like on the ground? Uh, well, we, we work in after-school programs and and uh, tutoring programs and programs to help secondary students get their diplomas. Uh, some sometimes it might take the form of a community kitchen. Um, and during COVID nineteen, it's taken the form of food security services. And lastly, we also work to network local churches together and to promote collaboration between churches uh, when they commit to uh, projects together for the good of their community. So this is what we do at Christian Direction. And if you would like more information, I would send you over to direction.ca, direction.ca, and you can see a little bit more about what we do. And you can also find information on how to give to Christian Direction. Now the theme I wanted to share with you today is the theme of Jesus Christ showing up. So Jesus showing up. Um, and I want to start with a little story. Uh, my family, particularly my mother, uh, hails from northeastern Kentucky. And this is the, the kind of foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. 
Now, I didn't grow up there. I grew up in the city. But uh, anytime we had a chance, a long weekend, uh, to go down to Kentucky to visit with family, we would all load up in the van and we would drive the four or five hours to get down to see family. And one thing that always fascinated me about leaving the city and going down home, as we would say, uh, was that we never had to do that much planning. We just basically showed up. Um, and, and you know, we, we would show up and people would welcome us in. Uh, sometimes it would be late at night. And most of my mom's family lived in pretty modest homes, uh, trailers mostly, so there wasn't a lot of room for all of us. But in our family, uh, hospitality and family were higher values than property or space. So being the youngest, I slept on the floor a lot um, or on a couch or sometimes uh, in a bed with a cousin. So uh, this is this is, you know, a bit of my childhood that I'll never forget is are these trips and um, how how we would have family members coming in and out and how it was never planned. We just simply showed up and everyone went with it. Now, at the time of this recording, uh, we are in the church season of Easter Tide, which is the time after Easter and before Pentecost, um, Ascension and Pentecost. And this happens and corresponds with the season of spring. And spring is obviously the time when everything starts to show up and to grow around us. We see this in our yard. We have a magnolia tree. And after the long winter, all of a sudden, the magnolia uh, blossoms just showed up. And so we're in this church season that corresponds with the natural season. And in this church season, this is the theme. It's Jesus showing up. After the resurrection, Jesus was showing up to his disciples. And so our readings in this time of the church year follow Jesus showing up to his disciples. This is about 40 days. It follows the resurrection and it leads up to ascension. And if we kind of flow, flow with that or follow that theme, we'll feel ourselves move from the resurrection to the birth of the church. And, we, and our readings will shift from the Gospels to the Acts of the Apostles. So this is the theme that I wanted to talk with you about today, showing up. Or another word that I would say uh, or that I would use would be emergence. Uh, Emergence is, is, is something we see in the spring and that we see in uh, the emergence of the church after the Gospels and in the book of Acts. And the thing about um, emergence is emergence often disrupts. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I don't like to be interrupted. Uh, maybe you've been in a situation where you're, you're binge watching that, uh, that show on Netflix and your kids keep calling out for you. Um, and those kind of interruptions are so uh, annoying. Uh, or maybe you work from home and you're on a Zoom call and the dog keeps barking and jumping into your lap. Um, and so you're, you're interrupted. But there is a big difference between interruptions and disruptions. An interruption happens and we want to go back to what we were doing. And I think this was the case with the pandemic and COVID-19. At the beginning, we all wanted to get back to the way life was. But the more we lived into the pandemic, the more we realized that this was going to be much more of a disruption, that life was somehow becoming something different. But disruption is not always bad. 
disruption can be a wonderful opportunity to not get back to what we were doing. And I think that the way of following Jesus is a, is, is a way of disruption. Um, it, following Jesus is a disruptive journey. It will often disorder us before it will reorder us. And so as we think about emergence, we also want to think about how when things emerge, that they sometimes disrupt us. And we look into the scriptures that we follow through this time of the church season. Uh, the, the, there are three circumstances that come to mind and that are in our readings at this time of year. The first one is when Jesus appears to uh, Mary Magdalene and women at the empty tomb. The second is when the disciples are hiding in an upper room and Jesus appears. And the third is on the road to Emmaus where two disciples are discussing and Jesus comes alongside them and begins walking and talking with them. So Jesus shows up. Now notice that when Jesus shows up, the response in these cases is that he is unrecognizable. First, he's unrecognizable in the grief at the tomb, in, in the morning of his passing. Second, he's unrecognizable in the panic of the upper room and the chaos. And thirdly, he's unrecognizable in the confusion on the road to Emmaus. So Jesus shows up, but he's a little bit hidden. His identity is hidden. And this makes me think of the French, uh, the French philosopher, mathematician Blaise Pascal, who talked about um, a, a dieu caché, a hidden God or a hiding God. And Pascal, um, Pascal liked to say that um, Jesus or God, in fact, preferred to hide himself in the ordinary or in the kind of daily and only reveal himself rarely when people were really anxious to serve him. And so there's this idea of God becoming visible or Jesus becoming visible to us when there's some, some desire or, or effort on our part. And then notice that in these particular passages, there are signs that trigger the recognition of who Jesus is. The first sign with Mary Magdalene is when, she, uh, when Jesus speaks her name. And it's upon him speaking her name that she recognizes who he is. With Thomas in the upper room, room that the sign was showing, uh, Jesus showing his scars to Thomas. And to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the sign was breaking bread. And when they broke bread, Jesus, uh, they recognized who Jesus was. So sign is something that reveals a deeper understanding of Jesus's identity. And notice that when Jesus emerges, he emerges within people's circumstances. He doesn't just show up and say, hey, I'm here, uh, or listen to me. Um, to Mary Magdalene, the, the very first thing he said to her was, why are you crying? So he enters into her grief. To the disciples on the road in their confusion, he, he curiously asked them, what are you discussing together? To the disciples hiding in the upper room in, in a panic state, he, he responds to that by saying, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your minds? So notice that peace in these passages is not peace outside of conflict or chaos or grief. It's actually peace within the grief, the conflict, and the chaos 
Now, the challenging thing about Jesus showing up is that we're not always poised to welcome Jesus or to be hospitable to God's kingdom as it emerges around us. And I think this is primarily because sometimes when it shows up, it upsets us. It upsets our lives. It may upset our control. It may upset the narrative that either we've been given. It may give us a different narrative or a different kind of frame. Um, or maybe it upsets the narrative that we're trying to create for ourselves, the frame that we're trying to live by. And lastly, it may just upset uh, the privileges that we benefit from. It, it, it may require us to enter into a deeper downward mobility as a part of our discipleship. Now, when these things, when, when uh, these emotions come out, when uh, emergence happens and we have a tendency to not receive it, we practice what I would call blocking. Um, and I have a really uh, uh, good example of blocking in my own ministry over the last year. Near the beginning of COVID-19, a friend called me and was uh, shared with me that he and some other Christian people in the city were, were starting to gather food, buy food themselves, and to deliver it directly to people's doors at the beginning of the first shutdown. And while he was doing this, the government was shutting down kind of like all services and telling people not to get out. And at my own, um, at, at my own ministry, we were actually uh, shutting our, our services down. They were not um, considered essential at that particular moment. In fact, I had just gotten done talking with my board about temporarily laying off half our team until things opened back up. So when Mark called me, he, he wanted to know if Christian Direction was interested in this little, um, this little kind of band of people getting together and doing these and trying to help serve others. And I just tried to, I just had the desire to block it. I just, my response was just say, Mark, no, like there's just no way we're going to do that. I don't think the government authorities would approve of it. Um, and fortunately, after a few days, I had some coworkers around me who had greater vision for this particular project. And they started meeting with Mark and coming up with ideas on how to organize um, this, this work that was emerging. Now, out of this work, a project was born called Innovation Assistance. And we actually got listed as a food bank in the neighborhood that we operate because there was is no food bank in that area. A year later, we serve over 500 people weekly. We've worked with 13 different student workers and we've seen over 70 volunteers that have come through innovation assistance to serve their neighbors. So this emerged right in front of me, right underneath my nose. And my, my first instinct was to block it. You see, I think emergence involves deep trust in what God is doing when we don't understand it. And I think it also involves vulnerable openness to new things. Our instinct is certainly to block. And blocking um, in communication itself uh, happens rather frequently. Uh, in communications, blocking happens whenever we shoot someone down or shoot an idea down. And I've done this even in my own family life with my own kids and I think that primarily we block for the following reasons. One is because uh, we have expectations that keep us from seeing a different alternative reality, a different possibility. So that keeps us kind of narrow-minded. 
Also, I think we have a lot of filters from our background that might cause us to judge too quickly or incorrectly a situation. But we also might fear. Uh, fear triggers the, that fight, flight, or freeze response with that lack of trust in others. And it may also be connected with trauma or pain that we've been through in the past. And so when something tries to emerge, it might trigger an experience where things weren't so good in the past. And so that, that's fresh um, in us and we want to kind of shut things down. Now the opposite would be um, what a priest named Samuel Wells describes as improvisation. Improvisational leadership. And when you think about imp improv or improvisation, uh, it's rather fun. Uh, we, you, you see actors who do improv and there's no script and you wonder how do they do that? It almost seems like they do it effortlessly. But the reality is if we talk with people who do, who do improv, they would tell us that there is a ton of practice and preparedness that goes into that. And improv is a great lens through which we could think of um, our working with, with Jesus as he emerges among us or the kingdom of God as it emerges among us. Those improv actors, uh, the, the, the golden rule is to never shut down good dialogue. When, when someone passes something off to you, the last thing you should do is shut it down. You want to keep it going. So that's the type of improvisational relationship that we can have with God our Father, with Jesus our Redeemer, and with, with the spirit that sustains all of our work. I think the early church fathers would have probably called this entering into a, the divine dance, um, seeing the Trinity as a divine dance, and then calling God's people into that divine dance. And in order to do this, I think fundamentally we have to retrain ourselves for the word yes instead of the word no. Um, as a parent, we learn really quickly to control and to lead through the word no. But that doesn't work as our kids get older and closer to adulthood. The popular Francis Franciscan priest Richard War calls this a foundational yes. And he encourages people to develop that foundational yes through spiritual disciplines like prayer. What's hard for me in this, uh, in this divine dance is that I'm much more comfortable with a plan. And I think we live in a world that rewards plans and prizes successful, successfully achieving goals. But there's a big difference between planning and preparedness. A plan is based on what we know. And preparedness says we can't actually know what we don't know. So we need to be prepared. And I think that that's the, the idea of a, a foundational yes, an idea of being open to God as, as he's emerging, as the kingdom of God is emerging, as opportunities for ministry and needs are emerging around us. If we look through scripture, we would find great examples of this. For example, in the Old Testament, notice that Moses and the Israelites didn't have a plan fully laid out in front of them. They wandered around in a desert for 40 years without a specific plan. But in the desert space, God formed them into a people. And through that experience, a culture of being was created for God's people. It's not unlike Jesus and his disciples either in the New Testament, that Jesus shaped his, his disciples through a community of practice rather than some type of linear plan on how he was going to change the world. So we also want to be prepared and open 
rather than blocking. So remember the story that I started with about my childhood and how our family just allowed one another to show up. But what if we showed up in the needs that exist, in the spaces and the gaps of services that exist around us in our communities? For one another in our church family, what if we showed up for one another? You see, Jesus shows up when we show up. Eastertide, the season that we're in, it ends with Pentecost, which is God's Spirit coming down. And as God's Spirit comes down, the baton of, of God's kingdom and, the, and, and announcing the good news passes to the people of God. So I hope that in this time you can sense that, that passing of the baton, um, Jesus ascending to heaven, later sending the Spirit down, the Spirit birthing the church, and then us being the body of Christ, showing up to others. Teresa of Avila was known to have said, Christ has no body now but yours. And we want to cultivate that foundational yes to God's work emerging in us and around us. We want to, to by God's grace, not block, but to welcome that into our lives. So my prayer for you, friends, is that God would give you a special grace. That if this would be a grace beyond the, the effort that you could give toward this process, but that you would also receive help from God according to his great love for you. It's great to speak with you today. Thank you for allowing me to share from my heart and also about our ministry in Montreal. May God bless you. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.